0: I just want to read you, start by reading you the birth of Jesus from Matthew uh, chapter 1 and from verse 18. Now the birth of Jesus Christ took place in this way. When his mother, Mary, had been betrothed to Joseph, before they came together, she was found to be with child from the Holy Spirit. And her husband, Joseph, being a just man, when I practice this, I said, I read, being just a man, (laughs) being a just man and unwilling to put her to shame, resolved to divorce her quietly. But as he considered these things, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream saying, Joseph, son of David, do not fear to take Mary as your wife, for that which is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. All of this took place to fulfil what the Lord had spoken by the prophet. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which means God with us. When Joseph woke from sleep, he did as the angel of the Lord commanded him. He took his wife, but knew her, her, but knew her not until she had given birth to a son, and he called his name Jesus. Now, many of us will know that passage because we've heard it read, particularly at Christmas time, particularly at Carol services. We will have read this passage time and time again. And there's one character in the Christmas story that we know very, very little about. In fact, it's hard to find much about him at all. In fact, I think that he is actually the unsung hero of the Christmas story, and that is Joseph. You know, we don't sing many Christmas carols with the word named Joseph in them. I was trying to think. Can you think of one? You probably can, straight away. No. <laughs> there you go. I was sitting thinking, what has Joseph in it? Pardon? Mary's my darling. Joseph and his wife, Mary. Yeah, well done. Excellent. Well done, Ken. Chocolate, Ken. Have a chocolate, Ken. There you go. <laughs> so, yeah, so, but it's very hard to think. You don't often hear much about Joseph. We don't sing his name very much. Um On my nativity set, Joseph is the one with his head glued back on because he's the one that I always knock off the mantelpiece because he's kind of on the edge, okay? So that's where Joseph kind of is in the um, nativity story. Poor old Joseph. And yet he is a complete hero. He is a legend, okay? Joseph tonight that I want to look at. We all understand that God chose Mary to give birth to his son, Jesus. But just as God chose Mary, God chose Joseph. He handpicked Joseph to be the father of his son, the father figure for Jesus here on earth, to be his dad, to be alongside him, to encourage him. And that's quite a thought, you know, about this man, Joseph, that we really know very little about. So who was Joseph? I want to look briefly this evening at this quiet man full of humility. Um, And yet, as I picture him, a very strong man of character, a very strong man of integrity. Joseph had a physical job. He was a carpenter. We know he's a carpenter. And he loved to make and create things with his hands. And, you know, I always admire people who have creativity, who are creative people. I think there is something amazing about creativity that is kind of inexplicable about the connection with our creative God. You know, people say this often, don't they? They feel closest to God when they're out in the garden. They're working in the garden because it's kind of in creation, it's in nature. And I think when we're creating something, there's something that connects our hearts with the character and nature of God. Joseph would have been able to create something out of nothing. He would have looked at a piece of wood, a slab of wood as we would see it, or a log, and he would have seen the potential of what that piece of wood could have become. He could create something amazing from that piece of wood. And I think in many ways, this is exactly the same as what God saw in Joseph. He saw the potential in Joseph. Other people would have seen a a carpenter, but God saw the potential. He saw what Joseph could become. And I think that's the same as Joseph's creativity, God, the creative God, seeing Joseph, seeing his potential, seeing something amazing out of someone that we might look on as quite ordinary. The Bible tells us in Matthew 1.19 that Joseph was a good man. He was a man of principle. He was a great man of integrity. And I just want to kind of just say as a little aside here, we need men of integrity in our day. As we were just singing in worship, I really sensed that God was saying, we need to pray for men of integrity and character and strength. And as we were singing Cornerstone, I was thinking, you know, how you guys, okay, you men are a cornerstone of our families. You know, it's so important. We need to have men, strong men of faith and integrity cornerstones of our family strength of our families and in our community we know that he was a man of character because of the way that he reacted when he found himself as one of the main characters in this unfolding drama that was kind of better than any soap opera you could ever watch he was found in the middle of this drama in luke 127 the bible tells us that mary was betrothed to a man named Joseph and this arrangement is a little bit different to an engagement that we might know today so if a couple say oh we've got engaged you know you'd expect that one of them had maybe gone down on one knee and you always ask them don't you how did it happen you know was it very romantic or was it just like a accident Mm -hmm. (laughs) or do you know did they have a nice ring did they go down on one knee you always ask what the engagement was like and it's always very special when we got engaged i know i've told you this story before where's martin he's hiring his Mm (laughs) head look and hit bless him he went down and um, covered the cliffs in in roses he had the whole thing and the tide was just coming up and we got there just in time before the whole thing was just kind of washed away and there was just these two fishermen looking very bemused how why did all these flowers appear from but anyway bless him anyway there you go that was our engagement but that's what happens isn't it there's like some romantic setting or something when a couple get engaged but there's no real commitment okay there's a commitment between the couple but that's, there's no legal binding when you get engaged. You, are, you say that you are going to marry that person. Well, there were two stages in the Hebrew marriage. And the first was known as the betrothal period. Okay, The betrothal period. And this was as legally binding as marriage itself. Okay, So if at any time during this phase, either of the people violated their vows, there had to be a formal divorce. Okay, so there had to be a formal divorce to end the marriage. And Mary and Joseph were in this approximately year long betrothal period. They would have had no physical relationship, they lived in separate houses. Okay, so they weren't together as a married couple, they were in this betrothal period period. And then the second stage would come later, and there would be the wedding ceremony itself. Um, and that would last for seven days. Okay, so Matt and Ellie, we're waiting for a big seven day party celebration. Okay, a big, <laughs> a big party next year. Um, but that, that would have happened at the marriage ceremony, seven days of partying and celebrating. Sounds great. Um, and Mary, at this time, was living in a place that was known for its immorality. It was a tough place to live. Basically, there were people sleeping around all over the place, no one was being faithful to each other, and there was just immorality everywhere. So can you imagine Mary living in that setting, where there's immorality all around, Joseph and Mary in this betrothal period, where they're living separately, and that conversation that would happen between Mary and Joseph when Mary went to him that day to tell, her, tell him that she was pregnant. Can you imagine how it must have happened? I bet she was so worried thinking about finding the right moment, the right time to tell him, you know, when would it be? I don't know if she just blurted it out or whether she sat him down and they had a conversation. Can you imagine how difficult that conversation would have been? And she probably said something like, Joseph, I know this looks bad. I know this looks bad, but I'm the fulfillment of the prophet Isaiah. I'm the fulfilment of what Isaiah spoke of. I'm the virgin that has conceived a child. Now, can you imagine, if I was Joseph, I'd be like, yeah, right. (laughs) You know, can you expect me to believe that when you're living in that place? You know, like, how can I possibly believe? It must have been one of those moments for Joseph that was like, really? Really, you're expecting me to believe this? This was certainly grounds for divorce, But his heart must have been broken. He loved Mary dearly. Um, He really loved her. And he didn't want any harm to come to her. He was worried that there would be shame brought upon her. So he said that he would break things off very quietly. He would do it very quietly so that no shame would come upon her. But Joseph was deeply troubled he was deeply troubled because he loved Mary. He knew Mary. He knew her character was one that sought after God's heart. He knew that she was a godly woman. He knew that she was a woman of integrity. So how could this have happened? He went to bed, it says, troubled. All of these things in his mind. How could this have happened? Then while he was sleeping, the Bible says that an angel of the Lord came to him in a dream, Joseph, son of David. The angel said, remember what we looked at with the shepherds last week, don't be afraid. Don't be afraid to take Mary as your wife for the child within her was conceived by the Holy Spirit and she will have a son and you are to name him Jesus for he will save the people. From their sins. And again, just like the shepherds, in that moment when that angel appeared, Joseph had a choice. The shepherds had a choice, and Joseph had a choice as to what he was going to do with the words of the angels. He could have said, No thanks, no, I'm not going to stand by Mary, I believe what you're saying, but actually, I cannot stand by someone. And be known as the man and have a reputation as the man who married a girl who was unfaithful. I I can't go through life with that reputation. Joseph knew, he knew that he would be thought of as the husband of a woman who had broken her vow. He knew he was going to have to live with that reputation. And we know that despite Mary being virtuous, despite Mary being a godly woman, she carried that reputation through life with her. She carried it with her. And maybe today you're sat here and you're carrying a reputation with you, and it's unfair. It's an unfair reputation. The Pharisees once said to Jesus, we were not born of sexual immorality we have one father, God. In other words, you were conceived out of marriage, Jesus. They threw it back at him. That was Mary's reputation. Joseph loved Mary so much that he was willing to endure that. He obeyed God. He loved Mary, but he loved God. And he stood by Mary. And that is why I believe that Joseph is an unsung hero of our Christmas story. He was obedient and he stood by the God he loved and the woman that he loved. I doubt that Joseph and any of the other characters in the Christmas story that we'll look at over the next couple of weeks, knew or understood the part that they were gonna play in this amazing, momentous moment in the world, in God's big plan to save the world, to save mankind, to give them eternal hope. I don't think that ever would have crossed their minds. And yet God was preparing them. He was preparing them, getting ready them ready for the plan that he had ahead. And sometimes you may think that you yourself are living in a place of obscurity. Maybe you think that you're not important. Maybe you think that actually nobody cares about me. Maybe you think, actually, my life doesn't matter. My life doesn't have much meaning. I don't matter. Let me tell you this evening that you matter. You matter. And you can be confident that God is at work in your life. He is at work in your life. Whether you know God or not, he is at work in your life. And he is preparing you. God is at work right now. In order for Joseph to fulfill the plan that God had for his life, it took one thing, one simple thing on Joseph's behalf, and that was obedience. He had to be obedient Joseph was faced with a choice, and Joseph chose the right path. He chose the right path. Just like the shepherds, Joseph chose the right path. We have a dog at home, my dog Alfie. Okay, and I'm sure he's a bit like my dad. Okay, sorry, dad. Um, He practices selective hearing. Okay, (laughs) he practices selective hearing, and he's really, really good at it. Okay, selective hearing. Um, When he doesn't like what he's saying, I'm saying, he acts like he hasn't heard. Okay, so when he bounds onto my bed in the morning, that's the dog, not my dad, um, <laughs> he, um, he falls asleep on my bed and I can't turn the, get the covers over me, okay? And I say, Alfie, get off the bed. And he like, looks at me like, oh, I can't hear you. Uh, and he's lying there and he's like, can't hear me and he doesn't move and he just lays there, okay? And he looks at me as if to say, what are you saying? It's as though he's lost his hearing. If he's asleep in the lounge, fast asleep, snoring, my dog breaks a lot of wind when he's asleep, okay, if he's doing all that while he's fast asleep and he's snoring away, and I open the treat cupboard to get the the um, recycling bags out, if I go, he is there, okay, he's heard it, he's at my side, he wants a treat, he's nothing wrong with his hearing when he has got heard something that he wants, he had supersonic hearing. When he likes what I want him to do, Alfie hears me. When he's not so keen, he doesn't hear me at all, okay? And I think we can be the same with God. I think sometimes when God asks something of us, we can be exactly the same. When God tells us something that we like, something that we want to hear, we say, yes, God, That's great. I'm going on this adventure with you. I'm excited. I'm going to obey you. I want to pick up the challenge. But when God says something to us like, I think it'd be really good if you stopped doing that thing. But God, I'm really enjoying it. I really love this relationship that I'm in, but it's not really the best for you. Or I really enjoy going out and I really enjoy drinking extra pints and coming home, staggering home, and yeah, but it's not really that great for you, is it? When God says those things to us, sometimes we have selective hearing. And we think, maybe God didn't really say that. Maybe I heard wrong, okay, because that's not really what I want to hear. That's a bit of a challenge. That's a bit of a eek to my heart. Maybe I'm not really hearing you clearly, God, on that. Well, Jesus says in John 15, You are my friends if you do whatever I command you. You are my friends if you do whatever I command you. He didn't say, you're my friends if you do the things that you personally agree with. That's not what he says. He says, you are my friends if you do whatever I command you. God has told us in the Bible, in his word, how we should live. And we can't just take the bits that we like and the bits that we don't like so much, leave those out, and the bits that we really enjoy about being loved and having hope and having a peaceful, joyful life. If we keep those bits, we don't do the bits where it says something that challenges us a bit, that's not what God's asking us to do. That's not obedience. That's not obedience. If God tells us to do something, he says it for a good reason. He says it for our good and we need to obey him. If God says not to do something, it's for a good reason. Even if we don't understand it, we need to obey him. Do you think Joseph understood in that moment? How is this good for us? How is it going to be good for us to live our married life with this reputation over us all the time? But he simply obeyed what God was asking him to do. If Joseph had decided to disobey God and to disown Mary, he would have missed the blessing of God on his life. He wouldn't be stood on my mantelpiece. He would have missed the blessing of God in his life. We can throw God's plans off track for our lives. We can totally step away from what God wants us to do. We can mess it up with our own mistakes. We can mess it up in our own defiance and actually enjoying doing what God doesn't want us to do, not just mistakes. We can mess it up, but the great news is, is that God is the God of second chances. He is the God of second chances, and he always welcomes us back. We've heard it so many times. It may be sound a little bit of a cliche sometimes. God loves you, and God has a truly wonderful plan for your life. And we hear it time and time again, but it's truth. God loves you, and he has a wonderful plan for your life. That's not only for Dave or for Denny's or for Naomi, for all of us. God loves us and has a wonderful plan for our lives. From time to time, people say to me, what's your favourite Bible verse? What is your favourite verse in the Bible? And I always find it really hard to choose, but the one that comes back to me time and time again, you know it, Jeremiah 29, verse 11. I know the plans I have for you, says the Lord. Plans to prosper you, not to harm you, to give you hope and a future. What a great passage that is. I know the plans I have for you. Good plans. God wants to prosper us. He wants us to have a hope and a future. And that's so exciting. It's so encouraging. It's true. Just like Joseph, God loves you. Just like Joseph, God has a plan for you. Just like Joseph, God has a future and a hope for you. God wants to use you and he wants to use your story to make a difference in some way. Whatever you've been through, whatever you're going through, God wants to use it for his glory. The question is this. Do you want to reach your potential as a follower of Jesus? Do we want to reach our potential as followers of Jesus? You know, I wonder, maybe something unexpected has happened to you recently. Maybe something has happened, and it's a bit like Joseph. You're in complete shock. You never expected this to happen. Maybe a relationship has broken down. Maybe you found yourself in a financial crisis. I don't know what it is, but something has happened. And it's come as a shock. And it's almost like you're Joseph standing there before Mary. And it's a complete shock. And you're at a crossroads. And you're not sure where to go. You're not sure which one to do in trusting in God or giving it all up. Maybe you've decided already, I'm walking away. I'm gonna walk away and do my own thing. I'm doing my own thing. And actually this evening, as you've been listening, you're thinking, actually, I need to get back on track. I need to get back on track. God is the God of second chances. He's not just second chances, third, fourth, fifth, sixth, seventh, eighth, he just takes us back because God loves us and he loves to put us back on track. He loves to put us back in the right direction and to have us walking in his path. Or maybe you're following where God wants you to go. Maybe you've chosen and you're obedient and you've heard God and you're walking in that direction, but it's tough. It's tough. You know, it's maybe like Joseph, it's costing you your reputation, but you know you've got to do that thing. You know you've got to, to keep going. And this evening you just need God's courage and strength to keep going we're going to pray. I want to pray into these situations tonight. I'm inspired by the life of Joseph, a man of integrity, of courage, of strength, of character, and yet so little said about him. So little said about him, yet he was obedient to what God wanted him to do. God has a plan and a purpose for each of our lives, and he wants to do amazing things through us.